Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our story today in the garden is not about the first person who ever lived eons ago. This story is about you. It's about you. A scientific or historical account of this story is not the first woman coming from a man's rib. More likely, the man came from the woman. At least that's how it usually works, right? But again, this story is probably not a scientific account about two people who lived a long, long time ago. This story is even more true than that because you are the dust that God breathed upon. You are the one who God called forth from that dust for a very specific reason. So when you listen to my sermon today, please know that this is about you, your relationship to God, and your relationship to a vast, rich, and varied community of living things. I ask you to reflect on this with me. I hope your pencils and pens are ready. This creation story uh, that Nancy just read is fascinating. God made the heavens and the earth, we learn, But then God called time out before any plant was yet planted or any rain had been sent to nourish the earth. Why the time out? There was no one to till the ground, it says. Till is such a rich word suggesting a key role in the flourishing of life. Before I create life, thought God, I need someone down there. Someone who will help the earth produce life, who will appreciate the sacredness of living things, take care of them, and help them to grow. I need a gardener or several. Then God forms a human from the dust and the ground by breathing into the dust. And now God has a gardener. Then and only then did God plant the garden that we know as Eden when he had someone to till it and to care for it. Interesting that in this account, the human purpose or utility is established even before his identity. Who is the human? Well, Dust animated by the breath of God. That's who we are. Why? Because God needed someone to till the garden. That's prior. So he put a human being in the garden. Again, you. And just as the human came from the ground and was brought to life by the breath of God, so too has every plant and every tree come from the ground because God made them to grow out of the ground. So God brings life out of the dust again. Kind of makes uh, plants seem not so different from the human 
or from you or me. We and plants are cousins, not by blood, but by dust, dust cousins. And after God made the human, his role is repeated once again. The Lord put the human in the garden to till it, but he adds something else to keep it, to till it and keep it, to till and keep it, to care for these sacred, leafy lives and help them to reach up and out. I'm having problems with my microphone. It just keeps popping off my ear. I don't know why. So the idea here, I think you can see in keep it, till it and keep it, the idea of sustainability is really introduced through the word keep. God's unfolding story then gives the human a vocation, a calling, clearly. Gardener is one image for our role on earth. Shepherd works too. What are more modern urban metaphors that could be used here? Manager, perhaps? Or a timeless one and a timely squeal? Parenting. Parent is an apt metaphor. And with the man's calling, God gave him permission to be free. Permission. There are almost no rules here. He may eat freely from the produce in the garden. God envisions here a very symbiotic relationship. The garden will keep the man alive, just as the human is called to keep the garden alive. A big yes from God. But there was, of course, one tree and its fruit that the human was prohibited to eat, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Consuming its fruit would do a very simple thing here. It would break the trust that had been established between God and the human, but also between that human and the other living things. It would break, I hope you understand, the symbiotic relationship between the dust cousins because the human would forget his place in this community as what? The gardener. And he would start to think, if he ate this fruit, that he was the owner of the garden and the garden was there to be exploited for his purposes. But here's the thing. The garden belongs to God. The human was created to take his place in the garden, live in community with his dust cousins, and to trust the rightful owner. Then God noticed that the human needed a helper. A helper for what? Gardening, of course. And so now you're thinking, okay, Adam, get ready to... Get ready to lose your rib. Here comes Eve. But no, the first helpers were members of the animal kingdom. Once again, from the ground, God made countless species of animals. There's the dust again. And God had the human give names to all the animals. Such an intimate thing, naming the animals, isn't it? We do that with our pets, don't we? I mean, if they're going to be a member of our family, of course we need to name them, right? So too are all of God's creatures a part of the intimate family 
of creation. Yet even with the animal helpers and the growing community of creation, the human did not have a true partner. It was time for a deeper, richer expression of community, namely human community. Ah, the rib, flesh of my flesh. And so we have the story of the creation of human partnership and human community set within the context of the larger community of creation. And we also have the complementarity of male and female. There are two salient points here. Number one, we are a part of a rich, complex, and varied community of dust. And two, we have been given a special role in that community to till and keep the garden. And where exactly is that garden? Well, you're in the middle of it right now and every day. Wherever there is life, plant life, insect life, bird, fish, animal life, and of course, not to be left out, human life. And you constantly have the choice whether to be a gardener, one who nurtures life and helps it grow and thrive, or one who exploits and scavenges, taking from the garden with considerably less thought given to caring for it. This is the, this is the original constant gardener. Are you a constant gardener? It is when we are serious about gardening that callings like justice, peacemaking, and advocacy come into focus. I think you can see how this calling encompasses all of life from the environment to farming, agriculture, hunting, and fishing, from the economy to healthcare, human rights, education, and opportunity. Pretty much everything fits under this umbrella. Recently, the Pope commented on our Christian role of being stewards of creation including human community, and he voiced caution about, uh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I remember the exact phrase, but uh, something similar to the dark side of, of capitalism, when wealth gets hoarded and the poor are neglected, something that we're all kind of facing together. And the garden is the whole human family, the Pope reminded us, including those who are not part of the investor class. Now, interestingly, there were prominent Christians and politicians who preached right back at the Pope, telling him he should stick to religion and not venture into economics. Interesting argument in light of Genesis. Likewise, when the Pope commented on the emerging climate crisis, encouraging people to act, he was scolded again by a senator who told him, you guessed it, to stick to religion and let the scientists deal with climate science. Now, Whatever you might think of the Pope's view on things, and some will agree, some disagree, the Pope has his gardener's hat on here. Make no mistake about it. It is our God-given calling to be concerned with such things as making sure everyone has enough and that the planet is healthy. No-brainer. These are profoundly theological matters of faith. Putting on the hat of a gardener appointed by God, the question is always, what is happening out there that helps life or hinders it? 
and not just human life. What is sustainable and what is simply depleting? This is the business of the gardener, you understand. Now, while to some this may sound overwhelming, all of creation, I would suggest that this is the sort of thing that can get us out of bed in the morning. It's called meaning and purpose. This world matters and everything in it. We matter because God gave us the role of gardener, shepherd, caretaker, manager. Our calling is lived out mostly in our immediate world. How do we tend and keep the life that is around us, our family, friends, community members, our lakes, our trees, our farms, our wildlife, our domesticated animal life. This is the calling of a faith community like ours too. This is a key part of the missional sense that has recently shaped uh, so much of the character of Mount Olivet around here. I think you can sense it. But here is a challenge to us all, a challenge that is uh, intrinsic to a corrupted human nature, corrupted by this world. It is quite possible for one to be a very loving gardener with one's own garden or family, but an exploiter or scavenger with those who fall outside of our clan or family. There was a study done recently, I think it was at Harvard, I'm not sure about that, attempting to determine whether human beings were naturally altruistic. The answer, according to the study, would count as a yes and no. Allow me to explain. The researchers found that we are by nature quite gardener-like, quite altruistic, when our own family or clan is at stake. Our people. Then people are quite generally quick to make sacrifices to help someone else's life flourish. But what happens when those who are at risk or who need life are beyond the boundaries of our own people, however we define that? Quite a different story, the researchers found. It seems that our blood runs a little bit colder then. Those who are not one of us are quickly translated into abstractions or caricatures and our hearts are, are not moved as quickly to help them. And then we all too easily exploit them. Sweatshops, inhumanely cheap immigrant labor, those we objectify and enslave, fill in the blank. So many ways that this can happen. Deforestation in someone else's backyard. You get the idea. Why do I mention this study? I mention it because of Genesis. Genesis reminds us that every living thing is a part of our clan. We don't make that false distinction and boundary. The community of dust from whence we came, summoned up by the breath and the life force of God. That means we as humans are important, but maybe not more important than the rest of the created order. Our importance comes largely in our purpose as gardeners. This year at Mount Olivet, we will focus on our callings as people of faith, and the calling begins in a grand way today, according to the book of Genesis. I leave you with a question. 
How are you a gardener? How do you take this text and find yourself in it? Called to till and to keep God's world. Please refer to the bulletin question. And there's actually two spaces there. How does this uh, text and perhaps my message, what does it make you think of? How do you respond to it? And what does it mean for you on Monday and Tuesday to be a gardener? I'm going to give you a couple minutes to think about that and, and write. And, and please do. Um, this is about you. Amen.